right, I want to welcome on our next guest, we've got Jordan Ronan, ESPN Giants reporter. Jordan, how's everything going now? It's kind of a crazy time going on. How are you managing? Hey, you know, like everybody else, we're just staying home, getting by, and doing what we can, and thanking our lucky stars that we're healthy, right? I mean, that's in the big picture. That that's what that's the important part here. So, yeah, it's a crowded house here at the Ronan household. You know, there's there's two little ones, one who's nine and one who's nine months. So, you know, we're me and my wife are both working, so it's a it's a big juggling act. Yeah, that's that's wild. It must be just kind of just it's a different different type of off season there. So yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. I was thinking about it. The difference between like the quarantine for single people or people you know are just living by themselves, and then like people with kids and families, two completely different things. <laughs> you probably have more free time than you know what to do with. You can go read. You can pick up new hobbies. It's it's not so easy when you have a family and you're all in one house and you're all there all the time. So it's yeah. a totally different quarantine for uh, people in different parts of their life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know you're saying you're kind of picking up some, some, some teaching hours in, in addition to your full-time gig already. So yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, Hey, you gotta, you gotta step in. Someone's got to teach this uh, fractions and uh, you know, uh, long division and that kind of stuff. So it's my job. That's awesome. And then, and then flipping over to football. So we're about a couple of weeks removed from the draft and Giants, they heavily invested in the offensive line. Do you think that was by design or do you think that was just kind of how the picks played out? No, I mean, I was looking recently, I think it was yesterday, at where all the Giants money is invested, right, in, in regards to their salary cap and just in general. And you look at it and they're not invested at pretty much any position – financially a lot except for the offensive line and defensive line like they're only in the top 10 of, of any position those are the only two positions are pretty much in the top 10 on maybe running back they're close so they're that's an organizational philosophy dave gettleman that's what he believes in joe judge kind of aligns with that where you got to be good up front you got to be physical you got to be big and so that this is a thing this is what the giants have been trying to do for years i mean all these other teams in the NFC East that they've basically taken advantage of it. They've gone into every game against the Giants since probably 2012, saying we can take advantage of their offensive line. This is where this is the matchup we need to we need to win, right? If we can go, we can get to Eli and, and we can hit the quarterback. And teams have done it very well for the last six, seven, eight years now because they really they haven't been able to get their offensive line right. Uh, so this is Dave, Dave Gettleman's third year. He hasn't gotten right in his first two years and he tried. Don't, don't get, he's definitely tried, yep. but the Nate Solder signing hadn't really worked great. Um, they haven't found the center. Uh, he signed Patrick Romame. He had a, in, as his big free agent signing his first year, he had a, was cut before the end of the year. Eric Flowers, he tried to move him to right tackle. They tried to make something out of that rather than cutting bait when he first came and none of it worked. So this is sort of his last-ditch effort to – we need to fix the offensive line, as he likes to say, the hodge mollies. You know, this is – and so this draft, it was pretty clear that was a focus. The Giants were making sure that they should finally try and get this right. Now, we don't know if they did get it right, but they certainly invested in it. And Dave Gettleman's fate now pretty much lies in this offensive line and their ability – and even the defensive line, really – and their ability – to 
pretty much dominate games because that's the only way the Giants are going to win. Yeah, I know last year the offensive line was a little bit of an issue. I know Daniel Jones did struggle a little bit with turners, but that could be attributed to not having a proper pass protection. But just glancing over at the schedule. Partially, you, partially. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But, but when you're glancing over the schedule and you see Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Fran in the first three weeks, they've got to be thinking of lucky starts that they did invest in the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, as it turns out, the Giants have a tough schedule. Like you name those three teams. Name, name them again: Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Chicago, yeah, and then and San then, Francisco. Yeah, all you you consider them all pretty good teams. So you think they're all going to be pretty good? If you think about it, two of those three teams last year didn't even make the playoffs, right? Yeah, the Bears, the Bears, and uh, who was the first one? Uh, Pittsburgh. But now there was reasons for it. But yeah. those two teams, like so, the way the schedule worked out is the Giants end up with a bunch of teams that had down years last year, but people think are going to be good again this year. Yeah. So even though they're supposed to have one of the easy schedules, if it go by projections and win totals, it turns out they have a hard schedule. So, yes, that's part of the deal. They end up with teams like the Bears. They end up with the Steelers. They, even the Browns have, have a pretty good pass rushes there on the schedule. That whole AFC North, the AFC West is tough this year. Yeah. You know, Chandler Jones in Arizona, the San Francisco defense, Seattle, we know with, with Seattle's been for years – and then Arizona, we, oh, we already said Arizona. They're, and then the Rams. So, yeah, yeah the Giants, they're going to need the offensive line to play well. Even the Redskins. Chase Young is there now. <laughs> with, the, with the Redskins' strength, it's probably that defensive line, yeah. probably rushing the passer. Yep. So, and Demarcus Lawrence, they haven't been able to handle forever. The Eagles' defensive line is pretty much the strength of their team with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Derek Barnett. For years, they dominated. You know, the, the, the Eagles, that's time the Giants beat the Eagles was 2016 when Ben Mack. Really? Wow. So, the Eagles have won seven straight. They totally dominated. And the, the, that biggest reason for that has been the defensive line. Interesting. The offensive line. So, yeah, absolutely necessary. And we're going to see right away how much it could actually pay off, which is a tough thing to do because – it's a unit where cohesiveness matters. So early in the season, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, because just looking at this, I'm saying I'm just looking, just looking schedule by schedule. I just see T.J. Watt, Khalil Matt, Nick Bosa. Then you go to the, then you've got the Rams, Aaron Donald, then Demarcus Lawrence, Chase Young, Fletcher Cox, and then you got J.T.P. and Shaq Barrett. Like it's it's not going to be an easy slate, especially just with those edge rushers. It's going to be yeah, no. Hey, they're going to have to be good. Andrew Thomas is going to be tested early, which is not the greatest thing in the world because the reality is even when you're drafted that high, even as an offensive tackle, even when you're an all-world offensive tackle, year one is the learning experience. If you're average, if you're an average tackle, even as a top ten rookie, that's pretty good. I mean, it is so rare to have a high – you know. A top 15 tackle in the NFL as a rookie. It, it's almost unheard of at this point with the way the you know, offensive line play is and what they do in college and have to then come and basically learn an entirely new game. Uh, because, I mean, places like Texas Tech and Washington State, they, they don't even run – their tackles don't even put their hands on the ground ever. Now, Andrew Thomas did, so he'll have an opportunity. But still, he's going to be tested, and they need Nate Solder as well at the other side to play better because the reality is he hasn't played well those first two years with the Giants. 
And then looking over at Daniel Jones, he's got, I think he's got very talented weapons in his arsenal. You got Slayton, you got Golden Tate, you got Sterling Shepard. Hopefully you got a healthy, um, a healthy uh, Saquon Barkley and a healthy. That's a big one. And the tight end, the tight end, I'm trying to blow it like the tight end. Evan Ingram. Evan, Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, if they're, if they're, if they're talented, if, if they're healthy and they're kind of stacked and ready, I think they can score with the best of this league. Because last year they could, and especially with solid pass protection, I think they can keep up. Or what are you excited to see from Daniel Jones in year two? Yeah, you're excited. First of all, the number one goal is to limit the turnovers. Yeah. I mean, the turnovers were exorbitant last year. They were off the charts, just way too many. The fumbles were silly. And, yes, like you mentioned before, some of that was the offensive line, and it wasn't good. But a lot of that also was Daniel Jones. He didn't do a great job of protecting the ball, and he's got to do a better job at that. He's got to get a better feel in the pocket. That's the one concern you probably have about him. It's just, it, is his feel in the pocket going to improve? It's got to. And that, when you talk to people around the league, they say that's the one thing that concerns them. Like, you see from Daniel Jones, you saw enough this past year to think, all right, there's something there. There's a lot to work with. The one part is, and some people think it's innate, that ability to feel the pocket. He didn't have it last year. He didn't have it consistently. It was a problem. They're going to have to find a way to make sure he gets the ball out quicker, protects the ball better, because they do have weapons. Now, the big caveat is they have to stay healthy. They're not extremely deep, yeah. right? And last year, nobody stayed healthy. They didn't have them together for a single game. Not one single game did those really? guys we mentioned. Wow. Ingram, Saquon, Golden Tate, Shepard, uh, all of them together. Not one. Wow. So the hope is that they can have it. And the reality with this team is, I, I mentioned before about where they're invested in, they used three straight top six picks. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, and now Andrew Thomas. What's the common thread there? Offense, offense, offense. Okay, so if you're using all these top, top – in the first-round picks, all these top six picks, which are their premium assets, on offense, their offense better be good because your defense isn't going to be that good. They're not overly talented on defense. They don't have, if you really look at it, a single defensive difference maker. So – that offense is going to have to score points. If this team wants to be any good, if they want to be 8-8, eight eight, that offense has to be a top-10 offense. They have to. There's, they're invested there. They have all these pieces there. I mean, the Golden Tate was their big offense season signing last year. He's on the defense, off offensive side as well. So, I mean, yeah, the year before, Nate Sullivan. So, if all these resources are being put into the offense, your offense better be good if you want to have any chance to win games. So, but it'll be interesting because Daniel Jones, you would expect him to get better. You'd expect his ball protection to get better. You'd expect that year two growth. And so you see that growth with these guys that are weapons. Saquon hopefully has a bounce back year. He was injured last year. I think that really derailed his season. Evan Ingram, same thing. You hope you cross your fingers. That's all you can do at this point with him and pray that he stays healthy. And, you know, then you have Golden State, Tate and Sterling Shepard again. You have to hope he stays healthy because he's had concussion problems. Yeah. It's definitely a concern moving forward. And so you put all that together and then Slayton, you hope he grows a little bit. You say, this could be, with an improved offensive line, this could be an offense that does some damage. There's going to be some weeks where this offense could win them some games. And I think that's a reasonable request and expectation. 
Yeah, absolutely. The off the offense. I'm not not too concerned about the the defense. They did invest in. I know they kind of they gave um, they gave James Bradbury a big contract. Did you were did were you did you like that signing just to kind of bolster the secondary? They needed a veteran cornerback. Okay, so they realized Byron Jones wasn't going to happen. They were in that one. They weren't going to land Byron Jones. So they said next on the list, James Bradbury. Are you going to argue that? I mean, they needed a cornerback. They don't have they. Their other cornerbacks on the roster are all 23, 24 years old, uh, completely unproven. You don't know if any of them could even play or start. So you needed somebody to fill that role, and Bradbury was the guy. Now I have some concerns in that James Bradbury, for the most part, has been a zone cornerback. He's not a straight speed guy. That's not his strength. He plays physical uh, man, co- you know, press man at the line of scrimmage, but can he hold up man-to-man coverage in what the Giants are going to do? So I think that'll be something interesting to watch. They believe so, but we'll happen to see. We'll, we'll see because it's not what his specialty was and it's not what they did in Carolina most of the time. Yeah, definitely. And then I saw your your record projection. You had them at six and ten. Do you think that's on the low end, or do you think they could exceed that expectation? I think that's about the average. I, I think they have a tough schedule. One, uh, they're still in a rebuild. The way I look at it, this is year two. Uh, it should not even. This is really the full year because they still ran back Eli at the start of last yeah. season, uh, but. So they're in the midst of a rebuild. They couldn't do everything this year. They didn't address pass rush the way they would like to. Uh, They still need some of these defensive guys to develop into difference makers. I don't know. They're praying that some of them do, but do you really know that? Like how many years are we going to sit here and say Leonard Williams should be, you know, a dominant player? He's in year, what? Five, six, 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 yeah. Yeah. And he already has – he played through his 50-year option last year. The Jets totally were just done with him. So, they need some of these guys to develop. I, I think it, it, they could be better than 6-10 and 10 if Daniel Jones is the real deal. And he takes them and carries them, like we said before. And, they, and their offense is good, and he's good enough to win them games. Right? Then I could see them go 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven if everything goes right or yeah. something like that. But, yeah, otherwise, you know, 6 is – Six or seven is probably where I see them at. Things go poorly. A couple guys get injured. You know, it'll it'll they could definitely dip into five, and you know, they lose the wrong guys. Four four wins, and D- Dave Gettleman, his future is in big trouble. Yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's going to be a very interesting season. With the I think the NFC East is wide open. Like the, like last year, the, the fact that the Eagles. Eagles won it on what was the second last week of the season because Dallas just couldn't beat a, t- a plus five hundred team. I think that the, the division's open. Yeah, they had to come back and beat the Giants in overtime. Yeah, yeah. actually, in week seven, or week sixteen. That's it. And uh, yeah, and that they definitely were not a great team, and we're the same way this year. Yeah. I think it's again, it's looked at as the Eagles and the Cowboys are step above, or two steps above, maybe even the Giants and the Redskins. They're not great teams, but. One of the two of them will probably win it, and if you go nine and seven, you have a shot to be the division winner. I mean, let's be honest. That's that's the reality. Now, the Eagles, if you think about it, they've been a pretty consistently good team yeah. for the last four or five years, probably. So 
this the floor the, the floor is probably nine wins. I think they won nine last year, right? So you probably so they're probably gonna win their eight, nine, ten games. I mean, that's pretty much what the Eagles range has been. As long as they have Carson Wentz and he's healthy, which is a big if. They're, they're probably going to be in that range. And the Cowboys, we know, they have all that talent, but can they really put it together? Are they a good team? And then the Redskins and the Giants are the Redskins and the Giants. They got a long way to go. The Redskins are just happy to be there. Redskins are just happy to be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll be the interesting part. I mean, this is year two uh, of the Daniel Jones-Dwayne Haskins conversation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right now after year one, Everyone has shifted over clearly to the yes. Daniel Jones side over to Dwayne Haskins side. Yeah. But we really do we really know what Dwayne Haskins is going to be? I think this is the year we find out. Yeah. I think we have an idea where Daniel Jones is going to be. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. he's going to be a quality quarterback. How good? Who knows? But he's going to be average to quality. And then Dwayne Haskins, we're just in a wait and see. Yeah. And uh, that'll determine the Redskins' fate. Let's be honest. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance in this league. When, when the Redskins threw in Haskins last year, that game at the Meadowlands, what were your initial thoughts? The, the first game you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was almost laughable. You felt bad for him because he's thrown into the mix without getting any practice time. And it's like, how does that make any sense? Like, what are you doing to the, to the kid? It, it's just putting him in a bad spot. He has no chance, right? I mean, what, what realistically – they don't think he's ready. They didn't think he was ready. That was very well known, right? And then in the middle of the game, the coach makes a decision after not practicing him all week. It's like, what is this? The Redskins, they, they got problems. And, you know, it, clearly it was a curious move at best. And it probably was done out of desperation slash with the intent to – all right, here, you guys want to see him? Here's what you're going to see. I mean, that's what happened the year before. The Giants did the same thing. Pat Shermer did it. Uh, who did he do? Oh, Kylo Leto. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And that was actually against – I was against the Redskins too. And the Giants were up 41 nothing. And so he puts Kylo Leto in at the end of the game just because, the, yeah. you know, it was at that time it was 40-something to 14 or whatever. It was, it was, the Giants completely blew him out. And this is late in the season. And so he puts Kylo Letta in, Pat Shermer, and he throws three passes or something in the fourth quarter, and one of them is intercepted. And he didn't do well. And Pat Shermer, after in the press conference, goes says something along the lines of, uh, I hope you saw what you wanted to see. And it's like, did you just throw him in there with the intention of him flopping, you know, of not doing well? Because – Everyone was pushing him. The season was over. They had a bad record. Why are you still playing Eli? Just take a look at the young guy. And he was saying, oh, you know, we want to win games. So, they're here. You want to see the young quarterback? Here you go. And that was sort of the feeling you got with Dwayne Haskins getting thrown in there. Oh, we're, get, we're losing. We're playing terribly fine. You want to see Dwayne Haskins? Here's what you got. Here's what, here's what we got right now. Here's what we're working with. Even though we're not giving him much of a chance in this game no. because he didn't even practice this week with any of the first team. No. No. Yeah, I think this year you'll get to see the real Dwayne Haskins, hopefully. Even though they did have the coaching shift, 
Um, he, they gave him a couple. They really didn't invest too much in the offense and free agency. I know they were looking at Amari Cooper. They, I think he just opted to go back even to the Redskins. I think made him the biggest offer. Looking at Dawson Hooper, went to Cleveland. And in the draft, they, they, they grabbed Antonio Gibson from Memphis in the third round. Antonio Gandy Gold in the fourth round. Really, yeah, not really splashy names, but they're talented players. You can maybe give it's, – it's a better offense around him than it was last year. So hopefully you can see because this is a big year for him. It's going to be very interesting in D.C. Is it really, though? Like, who, who's, who are the Redskins' weapons? McLaurin, Terry McLaurin? McLaurin, 85-year-old Adrian Peterson – um, Darius guys, if he can stay healthy, um, you got, they don't have, they don't have a top running back. No, they don't have a top tight end anymore, which they had at least several years back. They haven't had that for a couple years now, but at least when Jordan Reed was healthy, they had that. They got right? Richard Rogers, Richard Rogers. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you want to count him as a top <laughs> tight end? That's big cat. That good catch versus the lions a couple years ago. So he did, he did, he did. Richard Rogers has had his moments, but I'm talking premium players at their position. Yeah. Yeah. Where do the Redskins have him? McLaurin. I don't know. McLaurin. If, if he even, I mean, is he really a premium player? Is he, I mean, we don't know. He had a great rookie year. Yeah. Like he, there was a lot, there's a lot of promise there. But I feel a lot better right now if I had another fully established, really good receiver alongside him. Especially when I don't have that dominant tight end. I don't have that dominant running back. They're, they're still lacking weapons. It's yeah. still going to be a problem. Uh, and they're only going to go as far as what that offense could give yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're going to have some trouble scoring points. I mean, I know Trent Williams wasn't there last year, but he's no. not there anymore either. No. Right? So, this team has ways to go. I, they're also in a building process, and they couldn't get everything done this offseason, and I think that offense is going to show at times. Yeah, so they, they hope the defensive line can carry him, but they can only carry you so far. Your offense, you need, you need to see something. And then so flipping over to basketball, I'm sure you've been watching the last dance over the past year. It's really got one more weekend left of it. What's been your main sure. takeaway just, just watching it and just kind of just recounting some of these old games? Well, first of all, let me tell you this. It brings up a lot of bad memories because I grew up a diehard Knicks fan, as you can see. I got to that's like a 30-year-old Nick towel almost. I was wondering what that was. I was looking yeah. at Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the nemesis of my childhood was Michael Jordan. I hated Michael Jordan. I mean, he be, they beat the Knicks every year. The, the, the Ewing, John Starks, like, you know, Charles Oakley, Xavier McDaniel, all these guys. Ron Harper eventually played for the Knicks. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, guys like that. I mean, it was just – it was a tough – it's tough to like rewatch it because I, I mean, I, I respect in retrospect, Michael Jordan, because he was the greatest player I've ever seen in my life by a fairly wide margin. He could do everything. Uh, but at the same time, he isn't the most likable person. I mean, I think I could watch this and, and be, and see it and be like, okay, you see what Michael Jordan is. I mean, he has this pristine image and then, you know, this is what he is on the side. He's a, he is a cutthroat. Yeah. You know, he'll do anything to win, yep. which that's fine. I mean, but as somebody who grew up a Knicks fan, I didn't like it then. And then you're watching it now, and it's sort of bringing back memories. But, I mean, those Bulls teams and Michael Jordan in general, I think the younger generation, you yourself probably, you probably didn't realize how good he was. I mean, no. he dominated in every way you could think of it. and. He would 
fit in any game. I'd be like, oh, how would he do now? He'd do fine now. He trusts me because he could do anything. Uh, he could shoot threes if, you, if that was a big part of they, – they, they, if that's what they wanted him to do back. But that wasn't a big part of the game back in the day. He could do that if that was – if he practiced that and that was part of his thing. I mean, you see his jumper is – it's pretty. I mean, his jumper is perfect. Uh, he was incredibly athletic. He was amazingly – amazing on defense. They actually – he was so good on defense. But because they wanted to, to save his efforts for – for what he was able to do on offense because he was such a big part of their offense. They would always have a, for a while at the end, a bigger point guard, the Ron Harper types of the world. So that guys like Ron Harper could then go guard, you know, the other team's best guard and Michael Jordan wouldn't have to use all his effort. But then in the fourth quarter, when things got serious, then Michael Jordan would switch over and start guarding, you know, the Kevin Johnson's of the world. They were playing the, the Suns back in the day. Where, like, then he would go and guard even, like, John Stockton. Like, this is how good he was. He was awesome on defense. He was one of the best defensive players in the league if they used him that way. Like, he could have been the defensive player of the year. Like, but his job was they needed him to score 30 points a game. So, there really wasn't anything he can't do. And, and it's interesting to see this younger generation who thinks that, like, LeBron is, you know, is comparable or better than Michael Jordan, which I think is kind of silly because – and I love LeBron, don't get me wrong, but we're comparing, like, the best of the best of the best. Yeah. And LeBron has had some big spots where he came up very short. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, he's also had some spots where he came up huge. Yeah. But he's had spots in his career where he came up short. When you look at Michael Jordan, aside from early in his career, career when his team was the inferior team and he couldn't get over the top, but once he was there and they had everything set up, he was going to win pretty much every year. Every year he played for six straight years, they won a championship, yeah. right? Aside from the year he took off to go play baseball yeah. and then the year he came back midway and they yeah. lost to, to the, the Magic. Yeah. But for six straight years, they won the title every single year. And he was the guy. Like, there wasn't – there's no, like – Scottie Pippen was a great player, but it wasn't like their co-ones. No, yeah. Michael Jordan was the one. Yeah. Scottie Pippen was the two. His job was to do all the other stuff. He – he sort of played like the point forward, kind of like uh, LeBron does now. So, yeah, to me, it's interesting going back and watching it and hearing that the younger generation now, what they think when they see Michael Jordan and the killer that he was. I mean, he was an absolute killer. You, There's legendary stories about guys trying to talk trash or get under his skin. And it, might, it just it comes back to bite you in the, in the ass because Michael Jordan would just crush you from there. Like, you couldn't say anything to him because he was like – that story they told about LeBron from Smith. And it blows my mind. It blows my mind. It's, it's unbelievable. They're literally like, he literally made it up. Basically, this guy's career was over in the, in the next 12 months. Literally just made it up to psych himself up. Somebody said, somebody said it great. For LeBradford Smith, he had to do that for a guy like LeBradford Smith. He could crush this guy. It's the same way he was like uh, Scotty Burrell, like they showed him doing in practice. Yeah. He was toying with the guy. It's wild. They said they said thank God MJ was good at basketball because if not he would have been a serial killer. This guy was insane. They're literally yeah. like it's unbelievable. And then flip it. And then for the basketball this season, I know there's been kind of some rumors, speculation. Do, do you think we'll see the NBA come back, or do you think they're just kind of just going to just wait until next season? It sounds like sports are coming back, right? Because if you look at, to me, when you look at it, you look at okay. International sports. You yep. see the Korean baseball league yep. came back, right? Yep. Yep. You see now the German Bundesliga. You see the 
Real Madrid and Barcelona. So Spanish soccer, you saw it started yep. teams getting together. So when you see these things happening elsewhere, right, we're behind the rest of the world yeah. Yeah. with the whole coronavirus. So if they're able to get to that point, you would think, and it seems like we're trending toward, okay, we're getting to that point. Yeah. Just on, a, on the scale, we're, we're on the calendar, we're a month or two behind them, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think the key is going to be the German Bundesliga to me. Interesting. The German soccer league, when they get back and start playing, which if I remember off the top of my head, it's, I think, in like a month. Yeah, I think it's on June, maybe June 1st. Yeah, so, something, it might be like mid-June, but somewhere yeah. around there, mid or, mid or early June. If these other countries and these other major sports in these other countries are able to pull it off, I think it's a good foreshadowing of what we're going to have here a month or two or so later because we'll be taking keys as a country and, and, the, and the sports leagues of what they're able to do in other parts of the world. And if they're able to be successful and it goes off without a hitch, that's going to be the key. Yeah. They're like, the, all these other places are like the guinea pigs. If, they, if people start contracting the coronavirus yeah. and start spreading, then we'll never even get to the no. point where we play. So it's, it's, so we're all in a wait and see. Nobody knows for real what's yeah. going to happen. I think that's the key here. Nobody should really make assumptions that anything's going to happen. We don't know anything about what's going to happen tomorrow, the next week, or a month, two after that. No. We're just guesstimating and making and everyone's trying to make contingencies right now and that's sort of where the sports world seems to be yeah because it's been two months i think just a lot of people just having optimism which is good i think it's in a time to kind of despair like this just having optimism and if it doesn't work they tried i'd rather them try and fail to not even give it a shot if, they, if it's well, safe if it's safe to try and, if it's safe you don't want safe. to try and fail and cost lives that's that's true that's true so it's safe it's that's, true. That's, that's the, true that's the fine line you're walking here yeah. right if people start, the NBA comes back and people start contracting it, it and then like, and then like some of these older support staff people, like, because that's the people that are higher risk, yeah. and it starts spreading through them, like, we good. can't, you can't have that happen, no. and risking people's lives to play basketball. It's not yeah. that important. It's basketball. Yeah. It's football. It's whatever sport it is. So you have, they have to really take it slowly, and I think that's what we're going to see is everything's going to be very careful, very slowly along the way. I wonder if they'll have some like the older head coaches just kind of be at a remote location, just skyping into the players and screaming at them from like an iPad. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's gonna go. It's either gonna be all in or yeah, not at all. Yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if it works any other way. I mean, you, you have to have keep every be able to keep everybody safe, and that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing people overlook. You say, okay. If they come back in football, they, you know, they have all these players. No, they don't just have all these players. Yeah. They have a 90-man roster, yep. right? Then they have staff. Yep. They have coaches. Yep. They have football operators. They have all these people have to, that are there to help make things happen. Like, there's so many people. Yep. You're talking about another 90 – there's 90 players. Then you're talking about another 50, 60 people easy. Yep. So then you're talking about 140, 150. You bring in media, 160 if, if they did that. Per team. You, per team. That's the thing. Per team. team. Yeah. Exactly. So you bring all these people together. You, it, it, this isn't like a small crowd. Even though basketball, you only play five people on a court. There's 12, four, I don't know what the rosters are these days because yeah, they have 15, 12, 15, guys 15, they bring yeah. up from their two way, team. Two-way deals. You, and all, all it used things. to be 12. Now it's like, let's say 15 players on a roster. But then there's a coaching staff. Yep. Then there's the equipment staff. Yep. Then there's the medical staff. Yep. Now you're talking, okay, can we really get 40 people together? 40, 50 people together, officials. And then 40, you know, 40, 50 people per team. And then you're talking about two teams playing. 
You're talking about a hundred people. Can you put that many people together and be sick? Yeah. We don't, um, I don't think anybody knows yet. Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting. It's just a wild time. It's a wild time, but this has been a lot of fun. I really want I know you're really, really busy, especially you know, you're a part-time teacher now. You got all the stuff with the giants going on, but I just wanted to thank you again for uh, speaking for a minute. And then how can people find you on social media if they don't already follow you? Jordan Ranan on Twitter. That's J O R D A N R A A N A N. I know I have a lot of vowels in that. <laughs> so you can find me there. Jordan Ron on ESPN on Instagram. Really, I use my real name, so you don't have to you don't have to find any phony handles or usernames. So. Cool, awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Just wanted to thank you again. I'm glad your family's doing well. Hopefully, the country can kind of just get back gradually to where we were. So we can see football start back up in September. I think that'll just bring back a lot of normalcy, even if the fans aren't there. Just having something, just something Sunday, Sunday afternoon, just being stacked games. I think that'll just kind of restore a lot of hope and a lot of supplies. But it's been awesome, man. Thank you so much again, um, and stay safe out there, you and your family. This is awesome.